Hi, today we are going to do part two of habits. Habits is such a big issue that I decided it'd be best to break it into two parts because our habits really do create our lives. And so today we're gonna to dig a little deeper into some of the things that I brought up last time and then also introduce a few new topics too. So I'm gonna start by telling you a story about the British cycling team. In 2003, everything was about to change for them when they hired Dave Brailsford to be their director of performance. Up until then, they had suffered about 100 years of mediocrity in their sport, but they hired him to make a difference, and he did. His philosophy was to come in and look for marginal differences he could make in everything imaginable to help this team be successful. He looked at their bikes, of course, how they could streamline the bikes, make them lighter, make them better. He looked at their uniforms, and what he saw is that if they changed them from outside uniforms to indoor uniforms, they were lighter, they were more efficient in helping them to cycle. He looked at things like the pillows that the riders slept with and which one was, was better for each rider. They looked at like their uh, massage gel for their muscles for recovery and things like that. So he was looking at everything you would think would be obvious, but he was looking at everything else too, the not so obvious things. And his thought was if he could make just marginal differences in little ways that they would stack up and it could make a huge difference. And it did. Just five years after doing all of these things and then being patient, this team dominated in the 2008 Olympics. And then after that, they went on to continue to be very successful with their riders winning Tour de France's and, and other important races. And they've continued on even from then. So just by making those small changes, it shows how in our own lives, if we make small changes over time, it can make a huge impact. Um, you know, often we don't, we don't see that it's gonna happen like that, but what starts off as a small win or even a minor setback can accumulate to something much more. You think of habits as the compound interest of self-improvement in our lives. And just like when we magnify, multiply money through compound interest, as we repeat our habits, we see the same kind of effect. You know, we look back, you know, you can look back two years, five years, 10 years in your own life, and you can see this compounding effect of your habits. You can see the good ones and how they've paid off for you now, and we can also see the not so good ones and how there are costs to those at this point in our life. So our, you know, what we're living now really is the results of our past habits. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but the past is in the past. What we really wanna focus on is what is our current trajectory? Not so much what are our current results, our current traje trajectory is what we're doing now, which is gonna lead to our future. And you know, so we think about that what we're doing right now may seem marginal, like it doesn't matter that much. So if you're, let's say, saving more than you're earning, you know, that doesn't make a big difference in the short term. But over time, it starts to make a big difference. Our time kind of magnifies where we're gonna end up. Or if you're eating junk food instead of healthy food, you know, it doesn't matter, maybe for a little while. But again, over time, if you continue on that trajectory, it's gonna lead to a whole different destination. And so as we go, time kind of magnifies, you know, failure versus success. So it's really though, that's really, to me, encouraging because a lot of times we get kind of disappointed because of what we did in the past. 
So for me personally, I'm really trying to focus on what am I doing now and just focusing on the now and what will that lead to in the future? Um, because that's what I have control of now. But often, you know, we kind of, we get started on something and then we get disappointed because we don't see results right away. You know, our breakthrough moments come because of repeated action. And, you know, we don't cross that critical threshold of the, you know, the big result until we put in a lot of work a lot of times. And so people get disappointed and frustrated and then they just quit. You know, I think about people, especially with exercise or healthy eating, and, you know, they try really hard for a while and, and they don't see the results yet. And so they just stop, you know, not trusting that if they continue, that they will break through that kind of plateau. And then with doing the habits consistently, they will start to see the results. So it's, you know, it's trusting that if we continue with those positive habits, that, you know, two years, five years, 10 years down the road, we will see that trajectory of where we want to go if we just don't give up too soon on them. Which leads me to, to talking more about what we brought up last time about goals and systems. You know, a lot of people have the same goals. A lot of people have these great ideas of where they want to be. But it's the people that put the system in of continuous movement toward that that actually reach those goals. So that's the system that we want to create in our life, that idea of how to get to where we want to go by making it a part of our life. And too often we try to solve our problems at that goal level or at that result level. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we look at, let's say that you have a really messy house and you consistently, your system is that you, you know, throw clothes on the floor or leave dishes stacked up in the, dish, in the sink or whatever it may be. And it leads to a very messy house. Well, we can solve that problem by just coming in and say taking two hours or depending how messy, maybe a day or maybe a weekend, and we can clean everything up. And that will get us the result. But that result is usually only temporary if we don't focus on changing our system, which is do we have a way of coming in and consistently you know, putting things away, cleaning up after ourselves and keeping our house neat on a daily basis with our habits. Um, the same way can be true, you know, with, with, with the way we eat and with everything that we do. It's more important that we get a system in place than that we just try to focus on cleaning up the mess after we've created it. You know, I see that, I have to admit, I have this with my email. I have an awful system of keeping up with my email. I don't unsubscribe to things and I don't clean my, my email out daily like I should and then it just accumulates and it makes a big mess. So I know for me, that's something that's a goal for me is to start putting in like a daily system for cleaning up my email so it doesn't become this big ordeal that I have to like spend hours cleaning up on one day and then it just becomes a mess again, right? Because I don't have that as a part of my life. So not only, you know, do we want to focus on, on our systems and our goals, but we want to focus on how do we make our habits a part of our identity. Because once it's a part of who we are, then, then it's really going to stick with us. Um, if you think about it, you know, like for me, I'll give you an example. I'm somebody who I only drink water. I mean, I drink coffee in the morning, but I only drink water like instead of tea or soft drinks or things like that. That wasn't always the case. But years ago, I decided that one thing I found it was very expensive to order drinks at restaurants all the time. And I wanted to really increase my water in intake. 
So now I just see myself as a water drinker, as part of my identity. And the more it's part of that, and the more we see ourselves as part of that, the more it sticks and the harder it is to break that habit. So, you know, the difference in kind of a goal would be, like, I want to read a book. Instead of an identity is, I want to be a reader, or I am a reader, I'm someone who reads. Or, here's a big one, like with diets, I want to lose 10 pounds. That's a goal, but an identity would be, I'm someone who exercises regularly. I'm someone who eats healthy most of the time. I'm a healthy person. We start seeing ourselves that way, we start seeing more evidence of it, and then it just becomes a part of who we are. And then we are, we are in great luck with our good habits because it sticks. But if we have negative habits that have become part of our identity, it's harder to break those. You know, you might think, oh, I'm always late, or I'm awful at math, or whatever those are. And it's harder than once they become set in who we are to change those habits, but we can. One of the ways to do that is kind of a two-step process. One is you really kind of first have to identify who is it that I want to be? What is that identity? So let's say you are somebody who wants to be healthy. You want to identify as someone who exercises or eats right as a healthy person. Well, then think about what does that kind of person do? Start kind of, you know, you might even journal. What, what would be the habits of that person? So maybe you think, well, okay, at a fast food restaurant, a healthy person most of the time may order a salad instead of a burger and fries, right? And then in our life, the, the second part is to start doing those things. You know, start small. When we talk about habits, and this is what I really talked about mostly last time, was this idea of tiny habits and how important it is to start small. So, you know, but every time that maybe you start maybe by you order the burger, but not the fries, that casts a vote towards you becoming that healthy person. And then the more that you do it, the more you keep casting a vote over and over again toward becoming that person, the more you start to have that kind of confidence. You start believing that you are that. And sure, we're all going to have those times where we're going to slide back and we're going to do the old behaviors. And that's important that we don't beat up on ourselves, that we, you know, that we don't say, oh, you see, I'm not, you know, or whatever, that we continue to, to focus on our wins. We continue to focus on the ways that we are becoming more that person. And then it can become more and more a part of our identity. And over time, then you'll start to see that you see yourself truly as that person. And then it becomes easier and easier. So I think that that's a really important part of developing habits is to get to that point that it becomes a part of just who we are. And then I want to get into, so how do we start to change these habits? I talked about this in the last episode, but I kind of just skimmed through it because I was covering a lot of information. And I mentioned that in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, he goes through these four steps of behavior change. And I really wanted to dig into each one a little more deeply today because last time we just sort of skimmed through them, but each one has so much, is so important and really can make a difference in changing our habits and who we can become and changing that identity. So the first one, if you remember, was talking about the cue. And that is what we want to do is we want to make the new behavior visible, obvious. So let's go back to wanting to eat healthy. So if we want to make healthy food obvious, if we want to make it visible in our life, we would take like the apples and the oranges and the fruit maybe and put it in a bowl on the counter so it's right there, we can see it. 
and maybe put the cut up fresh vegetables in the refrigerator on eye level, you know, right where you'd see it every time you open the refrigerator. And that way it's more visible. And the same thing with the things we maybe don't want to eat. Like, let's say you don't want to eat junk food. Well, the obvious way to keep it invisible is to not have it in your house. But if you have to have some in your house, or maybe somebody else in your house has it, then you know, bury it in the freezer. Put it on a really high shelf in the back where it becomes invisible. And that way you have the cues, the triggers for the healthy food, and you don't see the unhealthy food. And also with cues, what, remember one of the things we want to do is we want to tie them to things that we already do. We have habits in our life already. So an easy way to bring in something new is to tie the new habit to an existing habit. For instance, you brush your teeth twice a day at least, I hope. <laughs> um, so one of the things that you could do is say, okay, every time I brush my teeth, I'm going to, right after that, I'm gonna do five push-ups or something that's healthy, something new that you wanna do. And that way it becomes tied to an existing habit. Or every time I get into bed, I'm going to read for at least two minutes. And that just becomes, you get into bed every night, and that, that new habit of reading will become part of that habit. So we try to tie an existing habit with a new habit. And that cue will help us to get that new habit rolling. The second part that he mentioned was this idea of craving, which is we want to make our habits attractive. Because we know that the more attractive something is, the more we enjoy something, the more likely we're going to do it. It's human nature. So most behaviors that we continue doing, they're associated with an increased level of dopamine, which is that good feeling chemical that our body releases. So let's say that you enjoy watching Netflix, and so that's, you've got that positive emotion tied to that. But you want to start running. So one thing you can do is you can tie the running with the Netflix. So say, okay, when I watch Netflix, I'm going to run on the treadmill at the same time. So now you're doing the behavior that you kind of need to do or that you want to you know, bring into your life with something you enjoy. That's why a lot of people uh, run with music they enjoy, right? They, they put in their, their, um, their, well now probably AirPods, and then they go running with their favorite playlist because it makes the running more enjoyable, right? Or let's say that you have a friend that you get together with and you just love hanging out with this person and y'all usually go have coffee. Well, maybe tie that with, you enjoy this friend, and but go walk with her. So that way it becomes, you're tying the new behavior with something you really enjoy doing. And we know that we're more likely to repeat the things that are enjoyable, that have a positive emotion or feeling tied to it. So that's the second one, is to really try to make the behavior something that you can tie to something enjoyable, or something that is satisfying in that way. The third one, is the response. That's when you're actually doing the new behavior. And we want to make it easy, especially to start with. So, you know, you think about that, we brought in the idea last time about the two minute, you know, you want to start something for like two minutes. You want to start it simple and in and, and small amounts because there is a true thing about resistance. And I have found that in my life. Every time I want to start something new, it seems like there's an equal and opposite amount of resistance that comes up against the new thing I want to start. So if we tell ourselves, like, I'm going to go run for 30 minutes, well, if we haven't been doing that, there's probably going to be a lot of resistance come up against it. But if we tell ourselves, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go run for two minutes, yeah, that's not that hard, that's not that big, we're more likely to actually start and do it. So we want to make it easy to start the new behavior by making it small. 
And a lot of times we'll get caught up in, you know, doing a lot of things before taking the action. Um, I've heard that called like we're in motion, but we're not really in action. An example would be like if you're studying about exercise or you're studying about healthy ways to eat, and so you're busy doing that, and there is a place for that. You definitely want the plan. And so being in that kind of motion or that busyness, it has its place. But if we stay there and we don't actually get started, if we you know, just study about exercise but we never start, then that's really a form of procrastination. So we want to do enough of that, but then we want to actually make it easy to actually start the action, to get going, to not make the plan too complex. So we get going. Um, so also, that when we're thinking about making it easy, we want to do the same thing we did with cues. We want to design our environment to make it easier to start the behavior. So let's say that you want to start playing your guitar, but the guitar is like in the attic. Well, it's not so easy to play the guitar if it's not around. So you want to make it easy by making it right there, you know, visible, again, like the cue in your environment so it's easy to pick it up and play it. Or like with your exercise clothes, you know, if you don't, know where your clothes are, if you don't have them you know, laid out for you the night before, things like that, that those things can be, can be blocks to you starting. So again, for starting a behavior, set up your environment to make it easy to do it. Make it small, just two minutes, and make everything that you need available to get started. So that's the third one. The fourth one is the reward, and that is to make it satisfying which is kind of like the idea of making it attractive, but this is what we do after the fact. So our brains really like uh, to, they like things that, that feel good. We talked about that. And we're going to repeat an action that is rewarded. So our brains also like an immediate payoff. It's just the way we're wired. We like to do something and we like some kind of immediate reward. Or our brain would like that kind of satisfaction. So the, there was a stockbroker that when he first started, he didn't really know what he was doing. So what he decided to do was that he was just going to make as many sales calls as possible. So what he did is he had a jar of paper clips and then he had an empty jar. And so what he said is every time he made a sales call, he was going to take a paper clip from this one and move it to that one. So it didn't matter what kind of response he got. It didn't matter if they, you know, were going to, you know, do something with him or not. He just moved the paper clip. And that might seem like a, a silly or, or you know, a, a not really important reward, but it gave him evidence that his behavior mattered, that every time he moved a paperclip, he saw that, that he was making some progress. And sure enough, not even being worried about whether he necessarily got you know, the business of the people or not, he just kept doing it. He kept putting that system in place. And over time, he was wildly successful because he was putting in the calls. And one of the ways he kept doing it was giving himself the reward, that simple little reward of moving the paperclip. I've also heard the same thing was true um, with Jerry Seinfeld. Um, this is what he did. And a new comedian one time asked him, how, you know, how can I become a successful comedian like you? And what he told him was get a big wall calendar and every time that you write jokes, say, you know, set a goal to write 15 minutes a day. Don't worry about the, qu the quality. Just worry about doing it. Put in the time. And every time you put in your 15, 15 minutes, put an X on the calendar. And that, it seems again, like just something very small, but it's satisfying. I did it. I get to mark it off. 
And then over time, every time he would mark it off, he would see that accumulation of X's. And then he would get that you know, more reward for seeing how well he was doing and putting in the time. And again, it goes back to that idea that as we put in, as we put in the time, we'll start to see the rewards. Um, you know, and there was also, a, a, at the University of Florida, there was a photography professor. And he had, did an experiment with his class. He had half his class, he told them, you're just gonna worry about quantity, and this work group is gonna worry about quality. So this is how you're gonna be graded. The quality group only has to produce one quality uh, photograph by the end of the semester, and that's how you're gonna be graded. The quantity group, was gonna be graded on how many pictures they took. So let's say you take a thousand pictures, if you do all that, you'll be graded, you'll get an A for that. So they went out and they, they both did what they were supposed to do. And interestingly enough, at the end of the semester, it was the quantity group, the people who had put in the time that produced the, the most high quality pictures because they were doing the system. They kept doing it over and over again, whereas the other people were just like trying to get one good picture, but they weren't developing a system and becoming a better photography as these people were. So, a, a better photography, a better photographer. So it really does matter this idea of continuing to do it and then giving yourself a reward for continuing the action. And of course, over time, we do want to develop intr intrinsic rewards for what we do. You know, we want to, um, to be motivated by, by the results that we're seeing. But as we talked about earlier, there's typically a gap. There's a time when we're putting in the hard work and we're not seeing the results yet. And so we haven't, you know, sort of, we're not building on that. We're not like, oh, I'm starting to see a little muscle yet, which then rewards, you know, we get that reward just by seeing that our actions are paying off. So in that meantime, before we're seeing that, that's the time to really try to use some of these little rewards that will help keep us satisfied, help keep us going until we get to that point of reaching some of those more intrinsic rewards where we're starting to really see that our behavior pays off and then we want to keep going. So I think all of that is really important. Those four steps to me, I think, have so much to do with helping us stay, go, stay on our trajectory to keep going toward reaching those goals that we ultimately want to reach. But it's so much an important part to stay engaged in the process to get there. One other thing I want to mention about our brains and how, you know, how this really helps or can hurt us with habits is that our brains like to close loops. And what I mean by that is think about if you have a lot of things open in your life that you haven't finished. You know how that kind of just wears on us over time if we think, oh, I need to finish this, I need to finish this, I need to finish that. And it seems like we have what's called too many open loops. It can really you know, kind of just drain our energy. But we can also use that to our advantage with habits. Because if we start something, our brain wants to finish it. So if we think about like if you start a new habit, if you get, you know, if you go out for two minutes walking, you're more likely to keep going because you've kind of started that behavior. You know, with me, what I've found is I like to get up before my kids get up and start their kind of morning routine of breakfast and getting ready for school. I like to get up earlier and start exercising. And what I've found is I could get up early enough to get the whole thing done, but I typically don't. But if I'll get up, and I'll at least start, if I'll even do five minutes before I come back in to greet them, you know, for the breakfast time, that then I've kind of opened a loop 
And I'm much more likely, after they head off to school, I'm much more likely to continue it. But on the mornings that I don't get up and do anything before they get up, I typically kind of just write off the day and don't keep going. So I found that there really are ways to use that open loop strategy to help us continue with a habit. So just keep that in mind too. And lastly, the last thing we're going to talk about today is kind of the deeper, the deeper issues maybe below your habits. So let's say that you have the habit, like we've mentioned today, maybe of junk, of eating junk food. And you've worked on it and you don't, you know, you keep trying to try new things and, and implement some of these strategies and you're not seeing the results. Our behaviors and our emotions and our thoughts are all linked together. So it may be that there's something deeper going on that you need to look at. And all of us have this in our life. You know, if we'll look at sometimes that we end up eating, you know, chips or ice cream and we're like, what? you know, I didn't even realize that I'd gotten in the refrigerator. If you'll sort of trace your steps, you may see that, wow, I notice that every time I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or stressed out, I have all these emotions going, or maybe I'm thinking worried thoughts or I'm, I'm um, you know, in a really negative kind of thought cycle, but it's during those times that I start engaging in the behavior. So if we'll step back and have a little self-awareness about maybe, okay, what's happening right before I end up in the freezer with the ice cream, that we can start to see that maybe it's a deeper issue that the behavior is kind of trying to solve by helping us to feel better. And then we can implement some new things in place of, of the ice cream or the chips. So I talked in the first video I did on positive mindset and in the second video about coping with stress, I talked about some strategies that we can use when we're in you know, these, these emotions that are creating stress or when we're in this mindset that's just kind of taking us down a negative path. You know, um, if we're really worried, you know, we might want to sit down with a journal and, and kind of put all of our, our ideas, our worries out on paper. That helps us kind of get it out out here so we're not holding on to it. Or maybe you have a trusted friend that you want to call and talk to when you're having, you know, you're, when you're anxious or you're worried or whatever. So you, you start when you're not in like the high stress situation, you kind of practice in, in calmer times in your life, implementing some new strategies that can replace the old habits when you're aware that maybe it's something underlying like an emotion or a thought that's actually leading you to the behavior. So I do think it's really important to have that self-awareness and to practice doing some of these things so that the next time that you're feeling a lot of anxiety, you take a minute, you take a few breaths, you realize, okay, I'm really anxious and I want to head to the freezer or to the pantry or whatever it is. Or, you know, for some people it may be smoking or whatever that may be. And instead, I'm going to sit with this for a minute, and then I'm going to work on developing some healthier strategies, some healthier habits in my life that will help do the same thing as the kind of more negative habit is doing. It's still trying to, it's helping you solve the problem. You know, because we do, we need relief. We need somebody maybe to talk to when we're worried. And if we find that healthy strategy, it'll really help us solve the problem in the long run instead of something that's just going to temporarily help us feel a little better or take the edge off. So again, if you find that you have a habit that you, that's kind of an external habit that you can't seem to make any changes in, maybe look a little deeper and see if there's more of, a, of an internal something going on that's leading to the habit and then develop some more healthy um, strategies for dealing with that. So in conclusion, just to wrap up, um, you know, the habits that we've been doing 
in the past have led to where we are today, and that is our path of least resistance. That is the easiest place for us to keep going. But if we will take the time to start just in small ways to implement some new habits, think about our trajectory, think about how we can make those small changes, we can have the cues and the craving and the response and the reward and put those steps into place, then over time, what we're doing now can set us on a whole new trajectory and then ultimately that will lead us to a whole new destination. So I appreciate you being with me again today. I hope that everyone has gotten at least one thing that they're going to take away from this and practice in their new life, maybe in their new life. See, I said that already, that this, you know, starting today is a new life. So um, let me know any feedback you have. I really hope that um, everybody has a great week and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.